the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to episode 38, Overcoming the Sagging Middle. Grace Livingston. I'm Hope Ann. I'm Josiah DeGraff. And I'm Gabrielle Pollock. And today we're talking about your novel's second act. But before we get into that, a quick message to say that this episode is sponsored by the School of Kingdom Writers, a full-time training program for Christian writers who are serious about creating amazing media and reaching large audiences with their work. Aspiring novelists are encouraged to apply. You can learn more and join the movement at SOKW.org or through the link in this episode's show notes. And stay tuned to hear from Brad Pocket, director of the School of Kingdom Writers in this episode's Midpoint Break. Okay, so back to today's topic. In this episode, we're talking all about your novel's second act. Specifically, how can you keep your story's middle engaging while progressing the plot at the correct pace? And how can you make sure every scene in your middle is absolutely necessary? Because this is a common trouble area for many of us, I think. I know I'm certainly intimidated by the second act. So let's start with sort of defining and outlining the problem here. What exactly is happening when your second act is dragging down the story and why do so many of us struggle with a sagging middle? Because the middle of your story is where the characters are developing their friendships, they're developing their arcs, they're learning things. But it's easy to have the beginning of the story where all the bad things happen or whatever it is. And then your end of the story where you have your grand face-off between good and evil. But the middle story, it's like you're getting to that point, but also you can't get there too quickly. I mean, quickly is relative, so it depends on the story. But if you can't get there too quickly because your characters have to have time to change. But at the same time, things still need to be happening So that's where some books will run into the problem of the middles just feel like they're filling in information to hold you in place until you get to the climax. Also, this is a problem for middle books and trilogies quite a bit, where the first book's really good and the last book's really good, and the middle book feels like it's bridging the gap but doesn't really accomplish much. That's a really good point about how this can show up in a series as well, because I I completely agree with that, that there are a number of books I've read or films that I've seen where the it, it's rather clear that the, the second entry is really just treading water. I think oftentimes this issue exists when there isn't enough meaningful change that's happening in the story, and the characters all kind of feel like they're more or less in the same position, so that, you know, whether it's just the, the second act of a book or the second book of a, a series you know, you get to the end you you've gone through uh, a number of pages and things are pretty much still where they are and the reason this is a problem is because storytelling the art of telling a narrative is built on the idea of change and when you are following characters and nothing is really changing we begin to wonder why we're here in the first place that was a beautiful quote right there narrative is built on change i like that So basically, the sagging middle problem is kind of a neither here nor there situation. That's what I'm gathering from from what you guys have said. So, So this naturally leads to the question that if you're neither here nor there, then what are you doing? What's supposed to be happening in the second act? And what does a stellar second act look like? 
So when I think of the middle of a story, I usually think of the midpoint. And this midpoint, you know, it's smack dab in the center, and it kind of marks a change in your character. I know we were talking about how sometimes it feels like in the middle, changes don't happen. But when the midpoint occurs, your character is switching from reaction to action. So during the first half of the book, they're kind of responding to the things that are thrown at them. And they're like, oh, no, I don't know what to do, all this information. And so in the second act, they're like, okay, I got this information, I can do something with it. And so that kind of the change that needs to be in the middle of your novel. And I kind of picture the midpoint as a mini third plot point. So right before the climax of your story, you have this point where your character is at his lowest. He's kind of been beaten down and he's thinking that, you know what, maybe I should just not fight anymore. Maybe I should give up and believe all the lies that I've been told. And so during the third plot point, they eventually give up their lie and embrace the truth. So in The Way of Kings, we have Kaladin and this poor guy is struggling to save all of his friends and he just can't seem to do it. So during the third plot point, he has this moment where, oh my goodness, my friends are going into battle and they're gonna die and I can't do anything about it. And so eventually he overcomes this and he charges into the climax. Well, I think the midpoint, took a long while to get here. I think the midpoint is kind of a reflection of the third plot point. So during the midpoint, your character is like, I don't think I can do this. Kaladin's midpoint was, I can't change anything. Life is hopeless. I might as well die. So his midpoint was a reflection and a change that kind of relates to the third plot point and the climax. I really like what you said about the the reflection of the low point in the midpoint, because especially since the midpoint is designed to be the the point where um, the character is changing, you know, oftentimes we only change when we have to. And what forces us to change? Well, pain forces us to change as we realize that our old way of doing things isn't going to succeed. And that doesn't mean that the midpoint needs to feel like a depressing moment, you know, because uh, often the pain point, the the pain and the sadness that come with that is can often be overshadowed by the character beginning to, to change their direction, beginning to form their plan and emerging from it with purpose. So at the end of it, I don't think you'll often feel like the, the low point, but but it can certainly does need to, to deal with pain, sometimes in, in similar ways. And I'd agree that I think oftentimes one of the, the big solutions to the sagging middle is having a strong midpoint. You sometimes still have a sagging middle even when you have a strong midpoint. But one of the things that the midpoint does really well is it forces change to happen so that there are meaningful changes that are going on throughout the midpoint. Now, you do need changes in more than just, you know, you, you need, sorry, you, you need more changes happening in the second act than just in the midpoint. But I think having that really pivotal change happening in the midpoint does a lot to keep the second act from falling down into that trap. Yeah, I agree with the others. I would say the mid, the middle of your story is kind of the point of your story in a sense, because a big chunk of what your character is learning and of what you want to show your reader is slowly happening or quickly happening, as the case may be, over the middle of your story. So even though the end goal is your climax, if you don't have the middle of your story, there's no way to get to your climax and... You, it, your climax falls flat because there's no buildup to it. We'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. You know, in the first century, Jesus' teachings were shocking and offensive to most of his listeners. Yet our Christian media today is weak, cheesy, and watered down. My name is Brad Paquette. I'm the director of the School of Kingdom Writers. Now tell me, are you ready to break the mold and move beyond conventional Christian fiction? Are you ready to challenge American readers? If you are, then I want to work with you. 
The School of Kingdom Writers is now enrolling for our 2021 full-time class, which starts this September. You can learn more at SOKW.org students. Now, if you're serious about writing professionally, this is the fastest track. You'll learn how to write stories that capture your reader's attention. You'll learn how to leverage the publishing and media markets. And you'll learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I think it's time for Christian media to get loud. I think it's time for you to get noticed. Check it out and join the movement at SOKW.org. Welcome back to our discussion on the second act. So far, we've tackled why so many second acts seem to fall flat and how writers can combat this issue. And a lot of it has really boiled down to just making sure what's happening in your story's middle is essential to the plot, theme, and characters. With that in mind, what are some tips you guys have for writers so that they can make sure each scene in their second act is essential and engaging? So with the middle of your story, to keep it from sagging, you basically just need to make sure it matters. And one key way to do this is to constantly be raising the stakes and raising the conflict. If a group of people are traveling, you don't just have a series of obstacles in their way and they overcome this obstacle and they get a little further and they overcome the next obstacle and they become friends with this person get a little further. Like that's boring. What you want to do is each obstacle will raise the stakes more, will be harder than the last one. Maybe at this point, someone's injured and there's the decision, do we continue this mission and save people and leave one person behind to die? Or do we take care of this person and possibly not be able to save people? And just each event through the whole middle of your book needs to be building towards the climax and matter to the climax in a concrete way. If somebody's injured, that affects the climax. If something's lost, that affects the climax. And the more you can tie together, the better it is. Every single little detail won't normally be in the climax, but the more you can build up and tie into the end, the stronger your middle is going to be. I think one way to diagnose your scenes to make sure they are moving and they are contributing to the plot is to make sure your character does not end the scene the same way she started at the beginning. So this could be a shift in her goals. This could be a relationship that broke up or was damaged that will lead to something later on. Kind of like creating a snowball that it might be something small, but as you progress, it needs to get larger and larger until it means something. And um, jumping off of that further, I think this is one of the reasons why this is something we should really be keeping in mind with just about every chapter and scene. And thinking about how is this scene or this chapter changing some aspect of the story in some way or another. I tend to find that the the language of action and reaction scenes or or scenes and sequels tends to be very helpful with this. I'm trying to make sure that each scene is ending with the characters either achieving or failing to achieve certain goals, which automatically moves the story forward when they've either achieved them or failed to achieve them and need to regroup or making a decision of some kind. Because if you're making sure that that each chapter of your story is regularly leading to some kind of a, a decision or a stereotypically called a disaster of some kind for the the scene or the action scene, depending on which which terminology you use. You're making sure that the the story is constantly changing, and thus, as a result, the story is constantly changing. You're less likely to fall into the trap of the sagging middle. 
One final tip would be if you feel like your middle is lagging, look at each scene and look at what has changed in the story from the beginning of the scene to the end of the scene. What's been accomplished? Has there been character development? Has there been relationship development? Has there been story development? If none of those things have been developed, you don't need the scene. If only one of those has been developed and there's a number of scenes that only one of those scenes has been developed, there's a good chance you can combine the different elements and give a character relationship development as well as thematic development, possibly plot development, all in one scene, and you can start combining events and scenes. So just look at your story before the scene, after the scene, see what's changed. If nothing's changed, cut it down to like a sentence if you vitally need that information and then move on. Thank you guys for joining me on this episode, and thanks to all of you listeners who tuned in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Have a topic or question you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast? Email us at info at storyembers.org and let us know. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clogston and Michael Stanton. Want to help us better guide and inspire Christian storytellers? Visit patreon.com slash storyembers to become a supporter and get access to exclusive Story Embers updates, swag, and more. Finally, join me again on May 16th as Josiah, Rolina, and Deus talk about how to choose the right themes for your story on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast. Sorry, Gabby. That one thing happened again. It just picked you up in the middle of the sentences when I finally started hearing you. I think it's just Skype being funny, but um, yeah, sorry. If you just start over real fast. I love how Gracie's just as apologetic. I'm really sorry, but I I messed up again. It's completely not my fault. I know, it's totally not my fault, but like, I don't know. I I feel bad interrupting people all the time, but I know it's okay. It's necessary evil, but... (laughs) She's speak for the Skype. <laughs> yes, I, I do. Although I'm sure Skype is actually, I, I picture it as some sort of heartless thing that doesn't really care. So I'm, I'm trying to give it a heart. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, <laughs>